Father, we thank you now that you've prepared a word for us, and we pray that our hearts would be open. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, through these wonderful words. We thank you that you are the word, and that as we receive it, we are receiving you. Teach us, lead us, guide us, open our hearts to those areas that perhaps have not been touched. We yield ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going ahead with the uh, book of Hebrews. And this chapter 11 that we're looking at now is really where we have been heading for in all the previous 10 chapters. I believe that this was probably in the heart of the author as he set out to write this book. That it wasn't just, he's not just going along and adding on to different things and thoughts, but through the Holy Spirit that this is really where he is aiming for in chapter 11. We call it the faith chapter. Not because the word faith is mentioned so often in that chapter, but because of the actual living out of faith in the living God that makes this central to what the writer of Hebrews had in his heart by the Holy Spirit. When we have talked about this in past chapters and challenges and messages, we understand that it's not just platitudes or principles or good words that we can just pick out, put them on a pretty piece of paper and put them on our wall or as a theme in a room. It's more than that. It's implanted in our hearts and our lives. That's what counts. And this chapter 11 really drives that home to us, that it's very, very specific. It's not subjective. It is objective in looking at how faith applies in our life. And when he mentions a whole list of names, and we're going to go through every one of them, well, maybe not in great detail, but we are going to mention them as we go through. They're all stories of faith for us to really understand what is faith. You know, we dealt with this two weeks ago. The thing that the Lord wants for us is to get a hold of truth and allow it to sink into our hearts and out in our lives, our daily lives. That is the purpose of having a message every Sunday. It's not just to hear a great speaker, but it's to have our hearts and our minds and our faith stimulated so that we are actually living out what we are being instructed in. Okay, you got it? Let's go forward. And we are looking to Jesus. That's the whole objective of Hebrews. And we've said that over and over and over again, and we won't stop saying it until we're done. And I hope we will continue to keep saying it. We're looking to Jesus. We have our eyes fixed on him so that when you are fixed on someone, you can't 
look away. I remember being fixed on a girl who was in my class. <laughs> we were separated at our Bible college. Girls on the one side, boys on the other. And I couldn't help, during the lectures, just glancing over at her. <laughs> no, I wasn't fixed on her. <laughs> but that is what it kind of means. Looking to Jesus. Being fixed on her. But being fixed on Jesus. And who he is. As an old man... I'm instructing young men, make Jesus the center of your life. Very important. And you young girls, very important. Fix your eyes on Jesus because that good-looking guy will disappoint you many times, but Jesus will not. Okay, that was just for free. <laughs> Hebrews, this is actually series number 22 because I only got to the first point last time. By faith in Hebrews 11, 1-7. Let's read it again. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gained approval. Okay, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before he was being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. I think we covered definition, but I'm going to breeze over it again, just in case we need to uh, lay that direction. Number two, basic faith, found in verse three and examples in 4 to 7. And then we'll close, hopefully, on time. The definition is the assurance of things hoped for. Did you notice how many times in our reading the author uses things? Have you noticed in Hebrews how many times he uses the word things? Would you go get that thing for me? Well, what do you mean? Well, what happens is, Katie, would you get that thing for me in my briefcase? Yeah. Well, you know, if we had talked before and you knew that I needed uh, a certain paper, you would go right for it. And I could just say not paper or 
that specific paper, but I could say thing or get those things for me. How many understand that in English? Things mean something specific in the mind of those who are connected to understand it. You got it? And so he is not talking to novices. We've said that. These were apparently mature Christians that he was writing to. But you know what? Some of them were getting bored or maybe not that so strongly as they were wanting to go back to the old ways. And so he uses the word things because they had that in common and understood what he's talking about. And so when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he means to us, people that are outside of that who have not experienced Jesus Christ don't know what we're talking about. In fact, that one gal on The View last couple of weeks said that Mike Pence was mentally deranged because he said that he speaks to Jesus and Jesus speaks to him. And she said on national TV, he must be out of his mind to think that Jesus talks to him and he talks to Jesus. But we who know that relationship with Jesus Christ, we know what we're talking about. Those who are outside and untaught don't really have that experience yet. But when they do, boy, there's a whole lot of difference between those that don't and those that do know Jesus Christ. And so we just need to understand this concept of what we share and learn how to communicate to those who haven't had an experience with Jesus Christ. And so remember that you can't just use the word things. You know all those things about Jesus? No, I haven't got a clue. And so make it very practical for those you are sharing the Lord with. That's also for free. The assurance of things hoped for. I can understand assurance. And I know what I'm hoping for. It's those things about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we enter into that whole knowledge hall, that place of understanding of who he is. That's what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know everything, but you know how to get there and where to go for understanding about Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. The conviction of things not seen. And we know that none of us really have seen Jesus. So those who went on before us, those pre-Christmas in the Old Testament, even those that were just born and had come into the world, and they're named here. We read their names. They didn't have anything like what we've got in the scriptures. They had none of that. But still, they had a relationship. They understood. And yet they, like we, have to get this in our hearts of, I know that I know 
that I know Jesus Christ has saved me from sin. And that is the work of the Spirit in our hearts. That is a very important thing to hold on to, that you have the conviction. Because if you don't have that in your life, you're not going to go very far in your Christian walk. Because you're going to be challenged. Many of you here have been challenged in your life. And that's one of the reasons why we open it up to prayer is because sharing together builds our faith and the conviction that there is someone who listens and hears. And together we share that faith and we build one another up in that assurance and conviction. We need it. And then we have the example of men of old, or you could turn that around and say old men. There is the five aspects of men. Today is especially very, very important because we're talking about an old man's advice to younger men from the book of Proverbs. My son, my son, my son, my son, my son. These are words of wisdom. We need wisdom today. Men of old gained approval. I remember the old people in my life who changed my life drastically. Now, I introduced last Sunday my sister. Well, let me tell you something. She's not really my sister. I was adopted into her family, but biologically, we are cousins. But she was three months old when I came to live with their family, and I was a teenager. Well, not quite a teenager. I was 11. So she's like a sister to me, and I'm like an older brother to her. But the point is, we need each other, and we need a model. And I didn't have a family. I needed a family. I prayed for a family when I didn't even know who I was praying to. And he answered and gave me the best family that I could ever have. And I remember when I was 11 years old, after having been in their home for about two or three months, we went to a tent meeting, big tent, Several hundred people, this is in Southern California, that is where I accepted Jesus Christ at 11 years of age. The influence of that man, my uncle, to be my dad was incredible in my life. He was a country preacher. He was a carpenter. And you know what? I'm a country preacher, and I'm a carpenter. If you need anything fixed, just let me know. But men of old gained approval, and we need to look to the old men. You know, nowadays we're saying, well, these young kids that are playing on the computer and all these gadgets, they, they are uh, way ahead of us. I'm sorry. They may be this wise, but they're not really trained in walking a life 
of truth, of righteousness. They need us old people. And that's why we bring our kids and put them right in the front here. (laughs) They are our most precious treasure. We thank God for young people. Let's move on here. Basic faith. We understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. That may sound like a very philosophical statement. We understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. What do you think that means? Okay, we say, we understand. What do you understand? What is it you understand about the world? Think about that. When you say, I understand, I get it. I I got the concept. We understand that the worlds, what worlds? What are we talking about here? These are very pithy, they're very power-impacted words. We understand that the worlds were prepared. Prepared, what does that mean? By the word of God. This chapter is not just feeding it out to you. You know, some of you who were here last week and my brother-in-law shared with you some very deep thoughts. I know because some of you shared with me what he really challenged us to think last week. This is challenging. We understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. I'm going to do what Glenn did, see if I can pull it off. What does it mean when we say we understand? Okay, no. From what? What we've been told, what we've read, what we perceive, we believe, we understand. Is there a sense in which understanding is really trusting? So we need to understand what understanding is. And it says, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. You see how important it is to read the word and really understand. There I used the same word to define what is what I'm talking about. That right now disqualifies me from being a good teacher. But anyway... We need to be able to exercise our faith. We need to be able to experience our faith and walk it out. And so that understanding is not just got it, but it means I can walk it out and I can practice this. I think that's what the meaning is. And so when the word of God comes into picture here in the definition, It's reading his word, and then let's practice it. Let's walk it out so that it really becomes ours. That is very, very important in the learning process. That's why probably this method of teaching right here in this room on Sunday morning is probably the weakest thing that we can do. You know what is better than this? You and I walking out the Christian life together. 
That is probably the biggest faith builder in any of our lives. How do children learn? They learn by looking, seeing, and then, well, mom does it this way. And if mom does it this way, it's the right way. How to fold your clothes or how to wash the dishes. Same thing in the Christian life. Being able to learn from other people. Walking it out. Watch those who are older than you in the Lord. Who have more experience. Very important. Basic faith is what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. And there's a lot of things in life that aren't visible. They're more caught than taught. You know the difference between those words. And so you see somebody's faith. And how did they trust to do that? That was pretty gutsy of them. That was pretty brave of them to take that chance that would happen that way and it turned out for them. And so that when we are walking in faith, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't even know what's going to happen this second. But one of the things that we are doing is that we're having faith that sitting down here in this basement, we're safe. But you know what? We could have the Daijishin hit this spot and this building come down on top of us. But we're sitting here. God has called us to be here. And that's where our faith is. What is seen was not made out of things which are visible. We are trusting in God wherever we go. That's what the Christian life is about. Christians are looking at something that they believe in, someone that they believe in, that others would say, that is wacko. That is crazy. Just like that lady on TV. Let's get to the examples. Abel. Abel was one of the first sons, the second son, who in having parents like he did, I wonder what he knew. I would have loved to be Abel and really understand what dad was talking about. When he talked to his son and said, son, you were born, but I was made. Have you ever thought about that? How would you describe to your son that you were just formed out of dust, but he was born of a woman, his mother? That's a pretty hard concept. I wonder how much Adam shared with his sons. Probably both equally alike, I would think, Cain and Abel. But Abel caught it. He got the idea. And what was the idea? There needs to be a sacrifice. We are fallen. And I wonder if Adam and Eve sat their sons down and and talked to them. You know, we really messed up. God told us not to eat of that fruit. But we did. We're sorry we did that. It affects your lives. And in the story that comes out of that, Wow. 
Eve had such high expectations of Cain because she thought this was the Savior. Cain, this firstborn, was going to be that one that would save them from their disastrous decision to go against God's command. Because God had promised that he would crush the head of the serpent. But what happened? Cain, the firstborn, refused to do the model of the sacrificed lamb to gain righteousness. And in his anger and his disappointment that God did not accept his fruit, his vegetables, he hated and despised his brother and killed him, killed Abel. But Abel gets the name, his name mentioned in this list of those who were of faith. What a simple faith. Really. Bring a lamb as a sacrifice. God accepted it. Cain brings his fruit and vegetables. They weren't accepted. Okay, if God doesn't accept it, there must be another way. Abel, can I buy... You need some fruit and vegetables. Can I buy one of your lambs and I'll bring it as a sacrifice? So easy. But he wouldn't. Going back to what our definition of faith is, understanding. Understanding. And Abel has a better sacrifice than Cain because he brought what God had demonstrated in a lamb slain for our sin, for our covering, for our nakedness, for our shame. Abel was righteous because he was a good guy, because he did what God had asked him to do. And what happened? God testifies about his gift. God commends that. Another example here is Enoch says that Enoch walked with God and he did not experience death. I would like to talk to Enoch and maybe, why don't we just go as an MCC group in heaven sometime and just go up to Enoch and say, you know, Enoch, we'd just like to hear your story. How did that happen? Why did you get exempt from death? I don't understand it. And I haven't heard any theologian that has really adequately explained that to me. Maybe Asa would be able to do that for us, but uh, I, we need to know that, I guess. He obtained the witness also that he was a believer. He believed what God said. He walked with him every day. And God just says, you know, Enoch, why don't you just go home right now with me? Wow, wouldn't that be great? Get this, he was pleasing to God. Okay, Noah. How many of you saw the recent movie, Noah? I did not see the movie. But I saw the one that was before 
that several years ago, many years ago, of Noah. What kind of a guide was depicted as Noah? He was just kind of a out-to-lunch kind of a guy. And he was going to build this big boat. Well, that's the way the world portrays him. But can you imagine he had nobody to teach him how to do the art of building a ship, and particularly a huge ship. And what for? You know that there had not been any rain on the earth, but God said, build a boat, because there's going to be a lot of water. Well, how are we going to get all this water? He'd just seen it in rivers and probably lakes. They probably had canoes at that point, but it's going to be a worldwide flood. Build a boat. And so he built it. You know, as in the days of Noah, Jesus said, so will the end times be. And what do we know? There are remnants, apparently, that are on Mount Ararat in Turkey or in that area lodged into a glacier or in ice. And they found these remnants of it. Have you seen those documentaries on that? Incredible. And they've just discovered it in the last, say, 20, 30, 40 years. As in the days of Noah. How long are the days? Could be since the United States was discovered. That would be an age, right? A, a Days. So we think, oh, well, you know, that was a long time ago. Ah, ah, no, we are near the end. We really are. And I'm sorry to say it to young guys like Daniel and others here. But the good thing is, Jesus will be here. And you won't have to go through all the stuff that we had to go through. It'll be wonderful. In reverence... He prepared an ark. He feared God. Not in cringing, but in believing. And he worked for 70 years to build that ark. Wow, 70 years. That's as old as I am. Younger, but in reverence, prepared an ark. And remember what an ark is in Japanese. What is an ark? And what, what is the kanji in Japanese? A ship, a boat, and eight mouths together means a big ship. How many of you didn't know that? Hmm. Why eight? Why eight mouths? Hmm? Eight people. I think the Chinese count by mouths. We count by mouths. How many people were in the ark? Eight. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives. That's all that was in there as far as human beings. Why do the Chinese and the Japanese use that kanji? Incredible. And you know what? That was the condemnation of the world. You know, it was a sad thing 
that only eight people survived that flood. I don't know what the estimate of how many people perished in the flood. It was millions. Millions of people died. And for 70 years, they scoffed. They probably thought, boy, that guy is nuts. But he went ahead and built it. And sure enough, they needed it. And he became an heir of righteousness and conclusion. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. You cannot please God. I don't care what you do of good works or of just being a good boy and a girl. You cannot please God with good behavior. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. God is not happy with you if you're just doing it because you're told to do it. It requires faith and trust in the living God. You want to please him? Receive Jesus Christ into your heart and life. Turn your life over to him. That is pleasing to God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. A rewarder. Who gets the reward? Of those who seek him. That's the challenge this morning. We want to please God. We're seeking him. Seeking his will. Seeking to walk in the way that he has led us. Believing he'll take us through the tough times. Understanding that it's not what we see that we get. But we believe for what we don't see that we receive. Doesn't make a bit of sense. But it does make a lot of faith sense. That's what faith is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is like a two-edged sword. Thank you that we can open our hearts and our minds and allow you to speak to us through your word. And we pray that the things that we've thought about this morning, we would take away and ponder and to think and understand what you have given us, your great gift. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you with his smile, with his approval, and give you his peace. Amen.